It's The In Show, Australia's only show dedicated to innovation from Adelaide, Australia and across the globe. It's David Grice and Troy Sincock. We are getting inspired by people with big ideas, innovators, entrepreneurs and startups. Those people that go, you know what, that's not just an idea. I'm going to make that a reality. I love that because these people just come out of the woodwork from potentially obscurity and then all of a sudden they're doing these profound things that are affecting the world around them. And they're just not stopped either. You know, they have the idea, they clearly won't know how to take every step in the process to have their idea become a reality, but they they just don't seem to be afraid of that. No, they're not. And speaking of not being afraid, we've got a guy today that started his career in his father's building business, started a landscaping business, then employed 35 people, and then after that found out that nobody could service his lawnmowers, so he decided to do that himself. Yes, he's now a NASA aerospace engineer. His name is Nathaniel Miller. And David uh, caught up with him in the middle of a park under a flight path in pretty, you know, difficult conditions. But you made it work, David. It was a nice day. It was a little bit breezy and there was a few birds around. But, um, you know, I started by asking Nathaniel what his day-to-day at NASA looked like. So my day job is I work at uh, NASA Langley Research Center. And what we've learned is that when you focus on the project, the effect of a project, you really can start shaping how people approach a problem. And, um, and so when we build teams, we, we start projects at the idea. We build a team around them. We uh, wrap, send them out and figure out where the money is and what the right market is for them to go after. And then uh, we run it out and uh, do a, we call it a build, fly, learn. Uh, we, we just build it, we fly it, and we learn what happened. And, uh, and we find that when you do that and you do it for the first time, it really changes what people believe is possible. So what got you started on that path? Like, um, was, was aerospace something that you wanted to get into as a child? I mean, most people, you know, most boys, I've got an eight-year-old son who just dreams of being involved in aerospace or flying or wants to be a pilot for uh, Emirates Airlines or whatever. Is this something that started for you as a boy? Uh, not hardly. <laughs> no, I, uh, I, uh, I grew up building houses and um, w- one neighbor gave me a lawnmower and the other one asked me to cut their grass and I told my dad I couldn't build houses with him anymore because I was making too much money mowing grass. <laughs> And I made a, I made a reasonably absurd amount of money very quickly because all you do is work hard and people pay you. It's the most amazing thing. And and I, I so I had a landscaping company and hiring people and I had uh, you know a pretty good number of contracts. And I realized that I liked fixing the equipment better than mowing grass or running a business. Even though I really liked mowing grass, it's something just about like you do landscaping. It's a mess and then it's not. It's really satisfying and. Having money and uh, freedom was really nice too, but solving hard problems was really cool. So souped-up lawnmowers uh, left me realizing that I needed to go to engineering school. So I quit the business. I was crazy. I went from lots of money to none as a student. That set me on a trajectory in engineering. A little while later, I went through junior college, uh, community college in Virginia. And a little while later, I ended up at the university. And there was this guy up there, and uh, he told us this whole story about how hard Mars was to go to. And um, it turned out he's the guy who uh, figured out how to turn the uh, Mars dirt into uh, rocket propellant. And he had an opportunity for us to jump into. And he said, uh, we, we've got 10 weeks. We've got an opportunity to fly, and we need to put something in it. What's, what are the best ideas you have? And, uh, and I changed from a kid who was running lawnmowers and fixing them and getting souped up lawnmowers to a kid who was thinking about delivering engineered platforms for scientific inquiry. And we put cancer cells in space 10 weeks later, I think after that uh, first meeting where I met him. And it was kind of off to the races from there. I've been a platform engineer uh, since then. 
So putting cancer cells into space, what was the purpose behind that? I mean, obviously, we're looking to try and cure. Was, was this sort of the early stages of looking at how the cancer cells actually behave in, in different environments? So, so my competency is a spark and a bolt. I'm a mechanical electrical engineer with a focus on controls. I wasn't at the time, and so I don't know anything about cancer. But what my researchers told us um, at the time, and I found out very, is very true still today, when you go to microgravity everything about life changes. Um, when, we, when we think about the building blocks of life, we think about a living cell, and you think about these Lego bricks that are all particular shapes. Those are uh, proteins. Those proteins come from RNA, which is a transcription from DNA. And what happens is the process, so we know that the DNA is, that DNA uses the RNA and turns into Lego bricks. It's called protein crystallization. And what happens in microgravity is that the fundamentals of protein crystallization change. And so every process in the, in the living organism changes in microgravity. So yes, cancer has been solved in different places. You know, the future's uh, here, just not evenly distributed. Um, turns out cancer is very complex, so not all the cases of cancer have been solved. Um, and I, I don't really know if that had a significant contribution to it, but it definitely worked on the problem. And so you've shared with me some pretty amazing stories of, you know, what, what you've uh, experienced through your life. Um, is there something that you'd be happy to share, some defining moments in your life that, that have really changed the way you've thought about things? Yeah, you know, when you think about a defining moment, it's a moment with context. And the context was I was in my, um, I think I was uh, in, my, in my mid-20s, and I was uh, at the top of my career. And um, I had uh, asked this uh, really cute girl out to, uh, to, to a date, and uh, she was not very interested in me, and she communicated that clearly. And, um, and, and it kind of gave me a reality check. Less than a few months later, I worked on a uh, experiment, a sounding rocket experiment, and it was a planetary entry, descent, and landing. And we proved it was a controllability and materials experiment. And uh, we went from about, I think it was a, um, uh, several thousand miles per hour to uh, 150 miles an hour in 90 seconds falling from space. And uh, so, so my job was to put the, the steering, call it the steering wheel on the space brakes. And that was my, you know, that's my day job. It was a little while after that that we launched that. And it was a life-changing experience to sit on console and see a piece of engineering work that I had done in a NASA context. I'd done the cancer cells and sounding rockets um, in university, but this was in a NASA context. I sat on console and I saw some stuff in me that I was really surprised of. I thought the whole launch was about me. And then I had a near-death incident not too long after that. There were some decisions that I made right in the thick of that moment that showed me something about who I really was and what I really wanted out of life. So kind of that trio of kind of learning who I was relationally learning who I was career-wise and then learning who I was fundamentally deep in my life. It left me with this burning desire to spend the rest of my days between when I know I was going to die and the very next thing happened. So yeah, that was a, a few years ago. And that's led to um, really just this push to really test the limits of belief. You know, there's so many places where we believe things are a certain way and testing my belief and the beliefs of others to see if they actually are true. So this is your first time in Australia or South Australia particularly? When I grew up building houses, we had a, a good friend. He's actually is down here in Australia, John Thersmith. He's back here in Australia now. And uh, he convinced me that the trees down here had the leaves in the ground and the roots in the air. <laughs> he said everybody walks around on their hands. And I was maybe 10 or 12 at the time. Australia's been this place of mystery and excitement since. <laughs> and a lot of those myths have been dispelled. And as I have a lot of uh, Australian colleagues, um, I've learned a lot to anticipate about Australia. And uh, being here in South Australia and Adelaide, uh, I can just say I haven't disappointed. 
That's great. So as far as um, coming into South Australia or Adelaide for the first time, I often wonder the perception that we give as a city to visitors as they arrive. And you've obviously seen also a, a lot of stuff around the innovation space that's going on here. Um, what particularly has sort of attracted your attention the most in the few days that you've been here? Well, first off, I flew from Washington, Dulles, through Qatar to Adelaide. And so so, 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 so we're coming the wrong way around from Virginia. <laughs> and I'll go back across the Pacific. And so, so, so kind of like in terms of, in terms of the other side of the world. And, and, and for me, it's my first time actually wrapping the world once in ever. When I came to uh, Australia, Philip drives me down the main drag. And, and I noticed there's, there's two universities that are in really healthy tension and growing vibrantly. And Philip says, yeah, and this is our business district. This is, you know, we, 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 we do our business and we set things up here and um, the investors are right down the street there. And, uh, and then, oh, and then here's the, here's the House of Government and here's the, where, you know, where, where our uh, different legislation elements and uh, governance elements sit. And um, it just really impressed me that uh, you have, you, you could think of it at one end of the street, take it down to the other end of the street, get money for it, and start it into a business, and then put it into policy on the other side of the street. And it may seem normal for here, but for me, uh, you know, I, I work in Hampton, Virginia, and Washington, D.C. is a three-and-a-half-hour drive. And we're considered really, really close to our seat of government. We're an hour, a little over an hour away from our state capital. And so when you think about, uh, I, I'll dare to say, the free world, um, and that when I say free world, I, I want to caveat that. I mean the, the value system that I'm me and David, I know that you're you. And, and we understand that if we respect that, we can do something together. Great. That's great. That ideal system is, you know, we, some people call it Western civilization. Some people call it all, all sorts of different things. But that value system has a way of deciding things in corporate and in community that requires a level of integration across knowledge, economics, and policy. And when I drove down the city of Adelaide, it was so clear that uh, you actually have the ability here to understand the problem, turn it into an economic proposition, and drive policy that actually makes sense in a very, very tight period of time. And that was really cool to me. That's probably the biggest thing. Um, besides that, hearing about the art festivals and stuff like that, well, I've got to be down here in March. Um, I'm, I'm an artist myself. I do glass and wire. Uh, I talked about the vulnerability that I talked about. You, you're not doing art. Uh, and I'll, I'll be generous. I don't consider it art uh, until uh, the media can break you. <laughs> and, uh, and then you become an artist when you master the media. <laughs> so I'll tell you, I've been broken and I haven't mastered it, but I'm attempting to be an artist. <laughs> so, so I'm on this journey as an artist and uh, just coming down here in March and seeing the, uh, the, the, the scene uh, and all the different arts of the city. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, that's great. Um, so through your career, you've obviously been working around technology and innovation and things like that. Is there anything that you're able to share with us that is probably one of the highlights of, of some of the work that you've done that you, you're most proud of? I'm most proud of the teams I've built. When you think about technology... Uh, when I think about technology, I think about things made up of things made up of dirt. And, uh, and, and technology is the assembly of different pieces of dirt in different ways. I think of an innovation as I put two things together in a new way or I make a thing that already exists better. So kind of polishing the dirt. And when you get to software and computers and satellites, it gets a little bit more abstract. But at the essence of it, that's really that's really what it is. And so when I when I think about technology and technology development, um, and you ask me what I'm most proud of, it's always for what? Why would you go build something? You know, if if I want to take a, a tree, cut it down, and turn it into timber and make a house, um, it's because I I, I want to live. I want I want I want a different kind of life, right? That's a technology. Um, it's you know taking some things that came out of the dirt and turning them into something, right? 
when I think about the technologies that I've worked on, and I've seen some stuff. I mean, I'm relatively early in my career compared to you know what's out there. And you, as soon as you see a lot, you realize that you haven't seen anything. Um, and so, so I really haven't seen anything in, in, in some sense. And across all the stuff that I've seen in um, UAVs, in aviation safety, in planetary science, um, in microbiology, in robotics, um, in astrophysics, um, in planetary exploration, and um, all, all these different areas, the thing that really drives uh, my heart and the thing that I'm most proud of is the teams that I've shaped that use technology to achieve a noble goal. That, that's really, really what I'm most proud of and, and, and the teams that I've worked with to do that. That was NASA aerospace engineer Nathaniel Miller, one of our favourite in-show interviews. We're going to find out what's in from one of the people we've spoken to in the past on the in-show next. Yeah, we're talking to the mayor of Austin, Steve Adler, and he's he's got some really interesting technological innovations emerging from within Austin and also the implementation of blockchain into a brand new medical facility. We'll hear about that on the next in-show podcast. The in-show interview. To hear more of the in-show, subscribe to in-show on Apple Podcasts or find us at oddscastnetwork.com. A Dave and the Beanstalk production.